welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, here's what Paul says. He saying to you and me, therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And let's read together that that last verse. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. It's the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated and let's pray together. God, may your spirit stand between me and your people so the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be shaped, formed, and um, transformed into your words. And um, we offer this prayer in the name of Christ. Because it is in Christ we've gathered, and it is in Christ we will go forth to serve faithfully. And all of God's people said, amen. So today in the life of the church is Transfiguration Sunday. There's a church calendar that operates and actually begins in December as we begin the Advent journey, waiting for God to to breathe into the world and to be born in the Virgin Mary's birth of Jesus. Uh, Today is Transfiguration Sunday, and it's the last Sunday in what we call the seasons after Epiphany before we move into the journey of Lent. And Lent is this journey that we take to the cross, and the purpose of all this is to seek to help us lean into the rhythms of the life of Christ. And so on Wednesday night, we'll move into the season of Lent, we'll experience Ash Wednesday together, the first service with the kiddos and families is how to, how to talk with kids and families in a way that doesn't just scare the bejeebers out of them, right? I mean, what kid really goes home asking questions when you say, remember from the dust of the earth you were created in the dust, you will return. That doesn't really make you want to bring your kids to church, right? Well, maybe it makes you want to make them not leave church and behave. So we're going to talk to the kids about who they are as God's creation, And so the same way that you see um, the children's service on Christmas Eve, that's kind of like what's going to be for Ash Wednesday. And our goal of this, as we specifically prayed, reflected, and thought about it, is we want to form the children in their faith, right? So they know the story that we're made by God, created by God, loved by God. 
That's going to be about 15 to 20 minutes long. It's not going to be a long service. Then we'll have a more formal kind of traditional service where both Ryan and Matt will lead us in worship as we have Ash Wednesday, Sunday, Ash Wednesday on Wednesday night. We'll still have the table and a meal at 5 o'clock, so you don't want to miss that. Just remember, don't start with the desserts. Have you ever noticed that, those you show up on Wednesday night? Pay your money, and you get in line, and you have to walk by the desserts before you can get your meal. I just start with desserts. It's the way we ought to do it. J. Soboda, in a book entitled After Doubt, speaks to how we have a shallow understanding in our world today of so many things. We're like a useless piece of bamboo sometimes propped up, and the tree's already grown, but we just really hadn't changed. He says that rather than going deep, we tend to go wide in our world today, and our fervor to scratch our soul's itches, we rush to the podcast, YouTube channel, or favorite celebrity to help us ease the pain of our unanswered questions. We offer quick answers to our hard questions rather than hard answers that result from long, difficult, toilsome reflection. We have traded the wise for the quick. And I would say we also say we traded the intentional for the quick. So when we think about what do we believe, who we are as the church, we are the body of Christ together. We've been gathered by God. It has an individual implication and it has a communal implication. First Peter is the reference that tells us that communally we are called by God together. Called out of the world. Once we were no people, now you're God's people. We're called for a purpose. God has chosen us. Do you remember what it was like um, when you were a kid and you would pick teams for things? I didn't get my growth spurt probably till the end of my eighth grade, ninth grade year. Before that, I was much shorter and much wider. Now, the wider part may be hard for you to believe, but I was not the fast kid on the block. I was the fluffy one. And so when it came to basketball, especially when it came to hide and seek, because we grew up in Wichita Falls, there's not many big trees up there, and I still don't make skinny very easy. And I didn't get picked a lot of the time. I still kind of remember what that felt like, right? Remember what it was like when you were in third and fourth grade, and you were going to go to the cafeteria for lunch, and you'd always be thinking, who am I going to sit with, you know? I think in some ways we never really get out of that childhood impression because it's important to know we belong to somebody. We are chosen by God. We belong to God. God chooses us. He reaches to us. It's echoed. John John records Jesus saying it in the gospel. You didn't choose me. I chose you. You're just responding to God saying, hey, Gladden, I'm picking you. You're on my team. Isn't that fantastic to know that God is already looking, seeing, and choosing us? And then Paul fleshes out, what does that mean in Romans for each of us as individuals? Well, first, if you've ever wondered, how do you really please God? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper proper worship. Underline it in your Bible. Write it down. Highlight it in your Bible app. Offering yourself to God is worship. It didn't say, blessed are you and you figure it all out and have the answer to every question that's asked, right? But our world tends to say, well, you got to have all the answers. That's not what this text says. It's offer yourself to God. 
Let God use your gifts. But what we have a tendency to do is we wait to be equipped thinking, well, I've got to get my life together or I don't know this much theology. I can't memorize this much scripture. And we think that God waits for us to get our act together before he calls us. He doesn't. He calls everybody because God equips the people that he calls. And the very fact that you are struggling and thinking about your own giftedness is a fact that God needs you. Because reality is we got plenty of answers in the world, but isn't it great to walk with somebody who doesn't have all the answers? Who just says, I don't know, let's figure it out together. Let's figure it out together. Step two, how does that work? Romans chapter 12, verse two. Where are you getting what you believe? Paul says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Folks, one of the biggest struggles of the world today is we all become professional, emotive commentators with very little filter. People say on social media things they'd never say to anybody else. Look, I get drawn into it too. I see something happening and I'm thinking, oh, the world wants to know what Bert thinks about that. So let me throw that on Facebook, right? And we commentate on this or commentate on that and we escalate it so quick. Even with the life of the church, how could you be a real Christian and say that? You know, I just, that's the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world politically around us is if I disagree with you, it's scorched earth. You're a waste of skin and air. And it doesn't matter what I say about harmful I'm going to be to you, you're worthless. That's the pattern of the world. That is not our pattern. That's not our pattern. It starts with the renewing of your mind. I did a funeral years ago um, in Amarillo. And uh, Raymond Jones was the man's name. And Raymond's daughter, as we talked about celebrating his life, he had died unexpectedly from a heart attack. <clears throat> and um, one of the daughters said, you know, what my dad did is when my high school years were so difficult and I would have all these messages in high school struggling. And I think probably uh, for you young women, you girls, I think high school and you guys, it, it's tough. I mean, we, we say to you, oh, come on, these are the best years of your life. We're lying to you, all right? Watch this. Here's my informal survey, all right? All of you who are in uh, elementary school, late elementary school into high school, look around the room. Raise your hand if you go back to being a walking hormone with zits you couldn't control. See, not a single adult raised their hand. We know it's a struggle. What we want you to know is we want these to be the beautiful years of your life, and they should be, and they can be. But what it starts with is the mind. And she said, I'd have all these messages and my dad would come in and sit on the edge of the bed at the night and he would reprogram my brain to tell me that I was beautiful and I was loved and I belonged in this family. Isn't that fantastic? So parents, church, that's our job. To speak in to affirmation in the life of our children and youth that they are beloved of God. That's our call to help renew their minds and not be conformed to the world. But it's not just about that, knowing that we're called by God, knowing there's a transformation process. But guess what? God chose you. You're on the team and you don't get to ride the bench. Everybody's in the game. Okay? Paul says clearly you have differing spiritual gifts. Okay, what is a gift? A gift spiritually is what do you do well? 
right? We've got a group of people who on Wednesday nights have a spiritual gift of hospitality and service. They come, they help, they cook, they set up. And I'll tell you this, I even read in the message translation and could not find it. I believe that coconut cream tres leches is a spiritual gift because I ate it Wednesday night twice. Man, right? So people have these gifts, or it's generosity or hospitality. You have those gifts. Everything from accounting to making trace leches. There's a spectrum there. God has gifted you with an ability. How are you serving others in what you're gifted? It's not just for you. It's for you to bless the world. And all of us hoard our gifts. And we look around wondering, why is the world in such a sorry state? Because we're not being the church. We're not stepping into the messiness. We're not stepping into the brokenness. We got to do that, church. We've got to do that and continue doing it. Paul also says in Ephesians chapter 5, it's not just the gift in what you do, it's how you do it. I know most of y'all have been through vacation Bible school, and even if you haven't, carry your neighbor along. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self control. That's about how you do what God has gifted you to do, and that's not optional. We're all called to live in love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and self-control. That's not optional. You don't get to pick and choose. I'll take a little bit of kindness, but I don't want that self-control. You need self-control when you face trace leches made with coconut cream pie. I'm telling you. And the church is together so that you can look at the preacher in the line and say, you've already had two pieces, preacher, back off. We hold each other accountable. We encourage each other in our gifts. All right, I want to tell you how this works in the life of the church, and I want to tell you how I saw it working in the life of the church. The first is how it works in the life of the church, and you may not be able to read this, but this little handout is going to be at the doorways leading out um, both, uh, both exits, uh, both places. Uh, here's the question. Have you ever wondered how we lead the church as preachers? I mean, do we just sit around and, okay, here's what's going to happen. God, would you just email us and tell us where we're going? We don't do that. And also, we don't sit around going, God has revealed to us that ye pagans will follow us this way. We are in this with you as pastors. Imagine we're on a journey. I had this imagery given to me in seminary. We're on a journey Pastoral relationship is to realize you're journeying with people in the midst, and our role is to try and be that place that listens to the voice of God and listens to the people knowing that's where God leads. What we do as a team of clergy is we pray and we discern and we listen. We say, God, where are you calling us? What's this church need to continue the momentum and the growth? So what I'll tell you is, we work with the board of stewards. We listen to you all and the heartbeat breathing to you. And each year we pick out aspects of the theme. When I got here in 2018, uh, Jim Welch had retired. You had Harvey and Scott Dornbursch had died. I mean, that's huge, right? And we picked up the idea, what's God doing? He's breathing into the heartbeat of this church to be resilient, united, and aligned with God's purpose in the world. So every year we look at where's God leading us, where's God calling us. This next year in 2022, we're going to continue down the path of uncertainty to celebrate the certainty of God and God's faithfulness. Look, 
I don't care if you're talking to Joe Cabanera, executive director, or Ren Holman in the family ministries. Everyone across the board will tell you the same thing. The only thing we can guarantee you as a church staff and pastors is there's probably going to be some uncertainty and things we didn't see coming. All right? That's just the nature of the world today. So what do we do? We say, let's celebrate God's faithfulness. Because you're not going to change the stuff you don't know. Live in God's presence. Secondly, we want to commit to prayer and radical renewal in the time of doubt, right? The things that are unknown. To be led by saying yes to where God's leading. To not wait till we get it all figured out. We did that with the Oasis Shelter. Had an idea, said, well, that's kind of outside the box. Look, let me tell you one way this worked. We got all this finance. We got $4.6 million worth of debt. I looked up at the interest rates. I refinanced my house. Eight months ago, we refinanced the church debt. Saved the church $87,000 a year in interest. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. So I called Texas Method Foundation. I said, hey, your interest rate sucketh. <laughs> you know, they're not earning anything. Why don't you just drop us a note, a half point? Just drop us a half a point. I mean, I'm not saying people are knocking on my door to refinance again. I'm not saying they're not. That's true. It's a true statement. He said, what are you doing? And the response was, well, gosh, Burke, that's kind of unprecedented. We've, we've, you refinanced seven months ago. We've never had that asked before. It's what? It's unprecedented. So welcome to my world. Welcome to the world of pastors in the year 2021, 2022. Unprecedented. Have you ever prayed, Lord, can we go back to precedented times? Guess what TMF did? I put it in writing. And you know what they said, Kurt? Well, we could do it, but we'd have to have a vote from your trustees and board of stewards and finance. We did that by email in 20 minutes. And you know what every one of our folks said? Heck yeah! Guess what we did? We're saving another $27,000 a year. We just ask, right? So in the sense of being unprecedented, we just say, what's going up? How do we pour ourselves into ministry? And then lastly this, we're going to celebrate 50 years of ministry. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to thrive. We are not going to just survive. We are going to thrive as a church. We are going to not let the uncertainty of the world and the unknowns determine what we will ground our lives in. We will ground our lives in Christ no matter what comes. And we will thrive as a church. And we will be where God calls us to be even when that means we don't know exactly what it means. Because when Jesus called the disciples, he didn't tell them all that was going to happen. He simply said, follow me. And we're going to do the same thing as a church. Here's where it gets, out, gets lived out in a real practical way. Yesterday we gathered and we celebrated the life of Nancy Pinkerton. There's a big hole in a lot of places because of Nancy's physical absence. Nancy vocationally was an educator, and she was also a person of faith. And do you know what most formed her approach to her education as a vocation? Her faith in Christ. She carried a Christ-like spirit into her work. Principal who grabs somebody and says, this kid's missing, they missed the bus, let's go get them. Who does that? And then goes and gets them, right? Knocks on the door. Scott uh, Duncan told yesterday that they get up there and there's a pit bull that's not on a leash and a pot-bellied pig underneath the, uh, underneath the trailer and she just looks at him and says, go get the kid. <laughs> she lived that faith. 
vocationally, she was formed in the life of the church to know how does her faith inform what God has gifted her to do. But she came to this place and was a part of this team and contributed through UM Army and through participation in many places. She was a part of having her faith formed, but she also shared in the forming of faith of so many others. And yesterday when we gathered, we were sad because of her physical absence, but it was a celebration because her life was faithfully lived, because she was transformed by the renewing of her mind, because there was never a doubt that she was God's chosen child and that was echoed in the work of her hands. It was never a doubt. I've asked if people have been invited to church to, by Nancy, and they said, no, she looked at me and she said she expects us to come to church, right? But she could do that. She knew her gift of communication. I wonder if each of us might have that as a moment to think about What kind of hole is left in our community if we aren't present? If we don't give to God our gifts? I want to close by telling you the stuff I read about churches and renewal. A lot of them talk about the doors. They use the imagery, don't forget, you know, how to get a wider front door for people to come into your church, how to have a wider front, um, a wider, and they're all writing from this perspective how to make the door open for people to come in. And I read this and I wonder, well, what if we flip the paradigm? Because last time I checked, the door goes both ways. So to borrow the imagery of Paul, right? Don't be conformed to the world. You know what the world says. Don't let the door hit you in the rear, right? Because when you disagree, that's just what happens. Just get out of here. Folks, what if we took the imagery that every time that we enter this place, when we cross the threshold, we recognize we're coming to the pep rally. This is where God infuses us with his strength, his grace, his love, his hope. We laugh, we cry, but we're not done. We don't come here to be filled up only. We come to be filled and renewed so that when we leave and the doors open, we expect to be poured out into the world around us. And if we don't leave here expecting to be poured out by God, then we should have no expectation that the world is any different. None. But if we'll leave with expectancy that God just reveal to me by your Holy Spirit what thing I can do. You don't have to solve all the problems. You don't have to have every answer. You just have to say who Christ is to you. But my friends, that requires being in a thriving, intimate relationship with Christ. And it's found most in the reading of Scripture. Don't expect this to be magical. Um, it's a process. What I want you to know is any of us as pastors would love the opportunity to sit down with you and say, okay, what's God doing in your life? Where's the Holy Spirit working? What questions do you have? How can we help you answer what God is calling you to do? Because if all of us fail to answer, the world never changes. But if we choose to answer, we can be the body of Christ in the world.